Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Det här är Teach Me Sweden. Det här är en historiepodcast där två komiker försöker lära varandra svensk historia genom humor, kan man säga. För att komiker kan ju inte låta bli att vara roliga. Jag heter Erik Broström. And I'm Jonathan Rollins. And in this episode, I'll be teaching Erik about a mysterious man from a mysterious place doing mysterious things? Mm-hmm. I en villa i Sverige. <laughs> Bollnäs? Bollnäs. Oh. Yes, man. We're going to talk about that. We're going to learn a little bit about torture. Mycket, 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 mycket torture. Jag har lärt mig väldigt mycket som jag ska ta, ta med mig hem. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> stay tuned, man. <laughs> Är jag igen i ditt hus, i lägenhet, i ditt rum? Det är inte ditt rum, men det är ett rum. Yeah. Ett gästrum. It's a guest room, yeah. And my daughter still sleep. Oh. For a week. Yeah, från förra avsnittet <laughs> när vi avslutade Vasaetten. I told her to stop taking Snow White so literally. Eller hur? Och själv har vi suttit här helt tysta i en vecka och bara väntat på att trycka på räck. Och nu är det nästa avsnitt. And that's time. And that's podcasting. Uh, if you are not familiar with this podcast, you've heard the intro, but I still want to give you a little bit of what this is. Mm-hmm. We're friends. Oh. We're comedians. Yeah. And we like history. Yeah. But we don't know much Swedish history. Det är därför vi gillar det så mycket. Yeah. <laughs> vi <kan det> inte. <laughs> so we are interested in learning more about Sweden, but we are doing it in the way we do it, through yes. comedy. Yes. So in this episode, I'm going to be teaching Eric... A little piece of Swedish history. Oh, can't and wait. Eric is gonna respond to what I give him, and we happen to like to laugh. Exactly. So maybe you'll laugh with us. Tropnisvis. So we're gonna get into it, man. Mm-hmm. I hope you're doing all right. I didn't ask, but how are you doing? D- never ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. Det är bra. Det är bra. Det är bra. Du vet hur det är. Det är slutet på på terminen. Man är lite Trött. Yeah. Mycket yeah, att göra. Same. Mm. Yep. But we, uh, we, we power through, man. There's yeah. a few... Uh, you have a theater. Mm-hmm. You have a few shows left, right? Or uh, y'all done? Vi har en engelska show. Nej, alltså när man hör det här tror jag att vi... Jo, vi kommer nog ha lagt upp kanske 30 juni och 14 juli tror jag vi kommer ha lite English shows faktiskt. Oh, nice. För att vi har kommit, precis kommit hem från uh, New York och Chicago- och eh, försöka hålla igång lite mm-hmm. English shows för att det är bra att ha lite. Man måste ge expats något att yeah. kolla på. Nice. Så det Smart det. too to do it at that time of year. Eller hur? För då är det ingen, annan, ingen svensk som går och tittar. Alltså ingen som... Svensk semester betyder att man inte går på teater. Så yeah. det är gärna ta folk som är turister. Ah, smart. Så det, det är väl det vi kommer göra. Det är presensimple.se. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, kan man kolla in check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, thelabhouse.se for... 
my comedy club shows. And uh, we got a few shows up until June. Mm-hmm. So, doing our thing, man. Kör ni till fram till midsommar eller kör ni? No, no, no. June uh, 3rd is the last show we have booked. We might do something June 10th. Okay. But nothing else there except for my my first podcast, Silver Hender. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having a live pod there. But we should do a live pod at some time. Det vore kul. Ja. We can do it at the live house. Vi kan göra så också. Vi kan göra... Oh, yeah. yeah. Even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we'll figure that out. We'll gauge interest. For sure. Let us know if you think you would like to have us doing a live pod. Mm. Det är typ som nu när du sitter på tunnelbanan eller på jobbet. Fast du måste ta dig till en plats. Och så måste du se oss prata i en mikrofon. Det låter väl kul? It'll be fun live. You never know what we'll come up with. That's true. Vi kommer få göra någonting annorlunda av det bara. I was gonna say you don't know what we say that we don't put out there but we kind of just put out what we did. Det är sant. Det är sant. Det är ganska transparent det är det faktiskt. So you get to get this vibe and see us come up with all this weird shit. Oh yeah. In person. Mhm. And now we'll do it. Okay. Before the Russian Revolution of 1917, Stockholm was a center for political refugees who were opposed to the Russian autocracy. Okay. Yes. And after the so-called February Revolution in March of 1917, in which the Tsar was deposed, many of those refugees returned to Russia mm-hmm. to participate in the creation of a new regime. After Lenin and his Bolsheviks took power in November 1917, a new stream of Russian refugees sought Sweden. Because Sweden's already been looking out for refugees in the past. Sure, yeah. And they're white. Yeah. Uh, so that's just my part. <laughs> We can go with the white people. Uh, they kind of look like <laughs> They us. look like us. We can blend in. Yes. <laughs> Now the majority uh, belonged instead to the whites who feared for their lives and property during the reign of terror that followed the Bolshevik takeover. Mm-hmm. The Grand Hotel in Stockholm became a gathering place for many of them. What? Yeah. It was a refugee camp. <laughs> And some Stockholmers complained that the hotel had been completely taken over by Russian aristocrats who held court in oh, ancient winter garden. Yeah, they were rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They oh, came yeah. in like, okay. oh, man, these people with no help, they tried to change the way we live and take advantage Please, of them. Please, Sweden, take us in. Can we live somewhere? Yes, an apartment. No, grand hotel. <laughs> I think it's better. This seems nicer. <laughs> We can build a, a makeshift uh, place for you all, you know. No, no, I think Grand Hotel is but just for a two or three years or something. <laughs> just uh... What's your nicest hotel? <laughs> The Grand Hotel, right? <laughs> it, feels, it feels grand. Yes. <laughs> can I uh, I have suite? Uh. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I have suite. They sit they sit outside the subway. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, this doesn't work for me. I need Grand Hotel. No, the Grand Hotel is... Uh, otherwise, I go back to the Bolsheviks. What kind of picture do they leave on your subway seat? A bild på deras smycken. Look how... Titta vad mycket jag har. Hjälp mig! Det är okej, de är döda för länge sedan. De här kan man skämta om. Oh my god. Russian tea gutter. Oh. That's great. Oh my god. 
Russian noble. Back yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Aristocratic secretary. Uh, Russians from lower social classes and with various political affiliations also came to Stockholm. Okay. Hmm? I'm pretty sure they didn't go Take to Grand Hotel. No, no, no. The Bolsheviks not only regarded the Russian aristocracy as their enemies, but also liberals and socialists from rival factions uh-huh. were struck by their terror. So they didn't like forward-thinking people, and they didn't like rich people. Damn, okay. they were like... There were many rules with Lenin and communists. In addition, the Bolsheviks sent agents to Sweden to manage the new regime's business and consular affairs, and to spy on political enemies and conduct propaganda. Oh my God. So yeah, so this new regime was trying to set their... Uh, sites on Sweden to make sure that these people aren't like muddy in the Russian name, you know what I mean? Shit. Or trying to, or even trying to organize and take them back down. Jag vet inte om det går in men bara se att det är din dotter som snarkar i bakgrunden. Jag bara tänkte Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Jag är inte uttråkad. Jag är lite intresserad. Jag vill bara kan vara värd att nämna bara. Yes, if you hear snoring it's not Eric. It's not me. Yeah. Uh it's not always easy to tell which side all the Russians belong to. Mhm. Because they just say a Russian. Men om, om bolsjevikerna körde bort de här, var de här mensjeviker då? För det var ju uh, många, det var ju bolsjeviker och mensjeviker. I'm not, I'm not doing your job, fuck it. I'm just listening. I, I, I didn't do my job, obviously. Jag, jag, har, jag har skrivit en musikal om Stalin, så jag har, okay. lite, jag har Ryssland kunskap. Are you familiar with this? No. Okay, oh good, thank goodness. Oh no, 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 no. Alright, uh, but, but you couldn't tell which size they're on, uh, and then a lot of them were using false identities too. Mm-hmm. So that also made it all muddy. Oh, like yeah, the yeah. Russian you just know that it's Russians here. Mm. Who's on what side, who knows. Mm. But then they would roll over on each other in spot Stockholm. There were spies, there were counter spies. Oh and it was all like a big mess all here, you know what I mean? Jesus. In in Stockholm. Uh-huh. Um the uh the Swedish maritime minister uh Palmstierna wrote in his diary at the time he said they roll over each other in Stockholm spies and counter spies all in one mess Russian Russian everything oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and uh, he gave uh, an expression to the Russophobia is what they called it because everybody was scared what the fuck is going on with all these Russians coming here. Men ganska rimligt ändå. Alltså, om det är så mycket spioner och dubbelspioner och trippelspioner och alla bara springer ut och spionerar, det kan yeah. vara en nojie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm not even blaming it. It's finally, I'm not even... It's rational behavior. Like Russophobia, okay, we're, well, well, sanity fear. Alltså, yeah. på ett yeah. sätt. Alltså, det är mycket tjafs, liksom. And he said it was often the Russianness itself rather than the individual's political aims that gave rise to concern and suspicion. So it's just like, just because you're Russian, I'm just like skeptical. Oh my God. Uh. Yeah. Um, on July 18th, the year 1919, an exiled Russian named Grigory Alexandrov mm-hmm. entered the police station in Stockholm to report that a friend of his had gone missing. Okay. The missing man's name was Nikolai Ardashev. And before the revolution, he'd been the editor of a magazine in St. Petersburg. Okay. And he's missing now. In December of 1918, he came to Stockholm on behalf of the Russian Bolshevik regime to buy up newsprint, a commodity in which there was a great shortage in Russia. 
Så so he's just trying to load up, bring back the rest of you know? oh, mm-hmm. okay. mm-hmm. And Alexandrov said he'd not been able to contact his friend for three weeks and that he suspected a crime has been committed. Ooh, interesting. Various witness statements led the police to a villa with a beach plot in Bolstanes in Uplands Vespi, mm-hmm. north of Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Where on July 27th, they arrested a Russian refugee named Mohammed Bek Hajit Lachir. Hajit Lachir. Hajit Lachir. Sure. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm figuring it out myself. His full name, uh-huh. Mohammed Bek Hajit Lachir. Uh. He was born May 20th, 1868. Or... 1872 in Constantinople. There's an option? Yeah, because it gave different information. Ah, I thought it was a little bit like språk was a little bit in the name. It was not super risked. Yeah, Mohammed Beck. Mm-hmm. It was like, what's it? What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you? If yeah. you see a picture of him, it's like, it's uh, kind of richly ambiguous too. Uh. But he was, uh, he said, or like, The word around town was that he was a Russian Cossack colonel and leader of what they called the Russian League. Ooh, the Russian League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was a, a, a thing that they called this community in Sweden. Aha. The Russian League. The Ryska Gänget. Yeah. <laughs> Rys- Rysligan. Rysligan. called it in Sweden. Ja. Yeah. <laughs> But Hadjetlache fought as a white guard against the Bolsheviks okay. during the uh, Russian Civil War. Oh, so he was pro Tsar, can I say? Eller? Yes, pro Tsar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was imprisoned by the Reds, but then he was released. And he fled to Sweden. That's you never re- don't release them. Mm-mm. That's the mistake. He settled in uh, in this villa that was that they had, the, where they had the Russian league in Bolsonaro, and he became the leader. But you did this league, group of Russian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he also published um, a Swedish Russian newspaper okay. called Ekorosi, and it was an anti-communist propaganda magazine. Huh. That he did. So, and he probably only paid 6% moms. Probably. <laughs> If that. If that. Uh, Hajet Lachek came with his uh, secretary, Mikhail Ettinger. And he claimed to have been uh, uh, hit hard by the Red Terror after mm-hmm. revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them were given the status of political refugees when they got here. And uh, his patriotic fervor aroused appreciation in both exiled Russian and Swedish right-wing circles. Okay. They're just like, oh, this dude, he loves Mother Russia. He's trying to do the best, uh, but he just has to be here. Ah, uh, okay. Um, the mu- newspaper was only published in a few single issues, but through the publication, Hajit Lachia made contact with other exiled Russians who wanted to work for the restoration of the Tsar's empire. Jesus. Pretty delusional. Eller liksom, <laughs> yeah, it's like, var, what are us 20... sett vad som händer? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen, listen. I believe the 12 of us, if we write well enough, 
everyone will be on our side. Det går, det går bra för kommunister, visst, men vi är rysligan. Eller hur då? Eller hur? Den liga, kom igen. Among these were also two Swedish-born women, Marie Putulov and Sigrid Ronkonen. I didn't think about it until right Sounds now. like a stupid Swedish-Finnish joke. Och sist i tävlingen kom Ronkonen som inte klarade eller höll ut lika länge som de andra. But they'd each been married to a Russian and then they you know, they, they wanted to join forces. Yeah. Putulov's husband had committed suicide when he was threatened with execution by the Bolsheviks. Jesus. And none of their smoker, also one of the husbands. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And then uh, Ronkonen's husband had gone uh, to the hospital because he was over masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. Jag såg det komma jag bara, det klart, han kan inte släppa det här, det här, den här måste han ju. No, he gone to Arkhangelsk to join the white guards in the civil war. And mm-hmm. she didn't expect him to return. She was just like, so she just... Bara för att han var en dålig soldat, eller? <laughs> he doesn't seem to be ready to fight. <laughs> he, went and he put on boxing gloves. I do not think he's going to make it. Go i krig, jag gifter om mig. Du kommer dö. Basically. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Several Tsarist officers and their wives also joined the, the group. Okay. So now they're starting to build it up. Okay. Oh. The highest in rank was a former general named George de Gieser, whose three teenage children were also part of the circle. So now we got some teenagers. Oh, my God. We got some uh, ex-wives. Some in cult. Yeah. And they said they were going to reclaim stolen fortunes. That's what, that's what, that was part of their mission. Oh, okay. Mm. And Som steg ett, kanske. Yeah. Hajetlaj's <laughs> plan for the group, which he called the Military Organization for the Restoration of Russian Empire. Mm-hmm. It's not a mouthful at all. Oh, no. It's a... Uh, It's called More. <laughs> More. <laughs> it was oh. the Caesar's fortune that he claimed the Bolsheviks had stolen from their rightful owners in Russia and then uh, and then smuggled to Sweden. So he was like, those Bolsheviks that are here spying, they've been st- stole stuff and they brought it here uh. and they're hiding it here in Sweden. Well, so, okay, well, why would they do that? It doesn't make sense at all. No. But 
Bara, de har allt land där borta yeah, Så för att skydda det Så tar de det hit yeah. Yeah. Smart A lot of, lot of forest yeah. <laughs> From the beginning uh, Intention was to raid the Bolshevik Legation in Stockholm Where he claimed that large sums And possibly Russian crown jewels Were hidden mm-hmm. So he's starting to sound Completely Insane. legit <laughs> Oh <laughs> Uh, it couldn't be carried out for various reasons. He invested instead in kidnapping and murdering individuals whom he regarded as communist agents. Det är ju ungefär samma sak som att återupprätta imperiet. Yeah, and, then, bara... and then usurping their assets. Of so it's like, uh, of course. That's what we'll do. You know what? I can't find the shit I was looking for. So let's just kill a few people. Yeah. Steal their shit. It's fair. All it's fair money. and love and war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first person they targeted was a was a double agent, according to him. Okay, was a Russian named Karl Kalve Kalve, uh-huh. who had worked on trade issues in the Bolshevik legation in Stockholm. In fact, Kalve was a double agent who spied on the communist diplomat diplomats on behalf of the Swedish police agency. That's oh yeah, Sapo now. Okay. Uh, so he lured the guy. He was like, hey, man, come to Boston. We talk a little. Discuss business deal. Have a dinner. Mm. Uh, and he promised some nice ladies. You're down. Yeah. So uh. There'll be some nice ladies here. What does that Calvea, mean? Calvea was like, this is going to be a good night, man. Okay. Man, what is it for? I'm going to hook up with that. There's gonna be some nice ladies. För att, bara för att du sa det med rysk eh, dialekt, då tänker jag direkt att de är prostitutes. Men det kan oh, ju bara vara typ att så här, oh. oh, there's gonna be some nice ladies there. Oh. Men för att du sa det typ så här, there's gonna oh, be some nice, nice ladies. ladies. Jag bara, <laughs> Men det, här, det, är, det är ju mina fördomar. Men det lät But, så. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, it's pretty much what he was, he was trying to get him to think it's gonna be a CD. Like a, it's gonna be a nice, yeah. Maybe he didn't say it like that, but I'm thinking that too. I was thinking it's probably... Hey man, you're gonna have some fun. You're probably gonna get some pussy. Oh yeah. So come to this party. Yeah. And he, oh, if you say that with a Russian accent, you probably get some pussy. It's the same. <laughs> It sounds like prostitution. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then he, so he gets there, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Come with me and to this uh, torture chamber." Oh my god. <laughs> And they had a ranger's torture chamber. Uh, include it had a heavy dog collar that got fastened um, with a chain uh, to a hook in the wall. Is it a torture chamber or is it a sex dungeon? You are now the gimp. <laughs> <laughs> you will live in a treasure chest until we find a big black man walking across the street and a boxer. <laughs> The dog? No, the the profession, the the sport. What type of boxer? What do you mean? <laughs> uh, so there was they, there was a trial later and everything, and there was some testimony that came out, and they say Hajetlachie uh, jumped up and down and let out voluptuous howls as he tortured Calvia to force out of him information about stashed communist money. Probably didn't exist. 
So, uh, so why they're torturing this guy? He's like jumping up and down. Tell me where it is. You'll know where this is. Having the time of his life. Yep. Yeah. Now I have the time of my life. Nobody puts the gimp in the corner. Nobody puts the gimp in the corner. He's all excited. <laughs> As they finally strangled Calvia. Okay. With a noose. Ah. Uh. And ended the execution with a pistol shot to the head. Whoa. The body was then wrapped in fabric, lashed with chains, and dumped in an ice uh, river in Norviken. Mm. Jesus. After the murder, one of the group's members went to Calvia's apartment where he confiscated some jewelry and cash and then uh there was a russian jewish man named yuri levitsky and uh he lived for a few months on a grand scale he was like one of these aristocrats at the grand hotel and mm-hmm. it was considered to display large fortunes in may of 1919 the uh the general's daughter who was 16 was take, tasked with luring um was with luring uh, this victim to Bolstonas under the pretext that he'd be allowed to participate in a party. Another one, a party with a good little In the villa, Levitsky was tied to a chair in the torture room, where he was forced to write checks on his bank balances. Inte lika jobbig tortyr som den förra kallningen. No, and then. But I would have been like, well, hold on, I thought, I thought these people had some some jewels. Like we're just robbing yeah, yeah, people yeah. now. What Hello. Are you Hello. I thought this is not. This doesn't seem as honorable as you made it sound. But. Also, what kind of a fucked up party is yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the people who are helping him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they're just like, all right, all right, for Mother Russia, ah. we're gonna get these people mm. who stole our stuff, and then they're like, wait a minute, he's writing checks to us now. How about you, Ladanier? He's howling and shit. <laughs> Yeah, he shot that one in the head before. I don't know if I like this shit. He's making him write checks. What the fuck? This ain't this ain't my my jewels. Oh. <laughs> uh, when uh, while Hadlachir uh, went to Stockholm to redeem the money, Levitsky made an escape attempt. Okay, I'm going to leave it, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get out of it. <laughs> it was that short? It was there. Because <laughs> he was stopped oh. by, among others, Sigrid Ronkonen. Uh-huh. Which is the guy who... Just that. And he hit him with a kitchen hook. Oh, shit. And put him to sleep with chloroform. Wow. Yeah, man. Tintin style. <laughs> That's out of a Tintin album. That's a lot of chloroform there. Uh, and then some other league members finished the murder by stomping... On a fire fork they placed over his throat. Ooh, what the? Okay. Mm-hmm. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Nikolay Ardashev, whose disappearance led to the unraveling of all of the stuff, uh, was the third victim. Oh shit! He uh, was subjected to sadistic torture before being strangled to death by Hajetlachia and dumped in Norviken as well. Uh. I saw the bags too that they 
they put these bags around them or this fabric around them and sewed it up and uh-huh. chains around that. Looks horrible. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, he had a death list allegedly with more people that he was going to go after. The investor. Uh, it was, there were four more people on the list, um, but they never found any more bodies besides those three. Mm-hmm. Men man vet inte om han kanske har dött. Uh, they and the police concluded that the league probably only managed to carry out these three murders before it was exposed uh-huh. by the the friend of the guy. So the trial against Mohammed Bek Hajetlache and his accomplices began in August of 1919 and was under massive, as you would probably uh, guess, press coverage. Uh-huh. They were like, "Wow, uh-huh. like this shit happened in Sweden." Oh shit. Uh, the reporters did not mince words in their descriptions of those involved. They said, uh, he was a dirty Russian man. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stockholm's Dogblad wrote that there was a large element of Russian and semantic physio- physio- physiognomy among the audience. Uh-huh. I've never heard that word before. Uh, doesn't and, sound good, though. Yeah. <laughs> and Nia Doglit Alejandra used descriptive terms such as Berg physiognomy. <laughs> they used Berg in there. <laughs> they did physiognomy. Physiognomy. I guess, I'm guessing because they, when they tortured them, they probably did some gayish shit. So it is Pulp Fiction. And black bandit faces is uh, what else they said. Jesus. To uh, describe the appearance of Hajetlachia and his male cronies. Wow. In the paper, so they were just making this like a thing, man. And the readers were told that Sigrid Ronkinen. Was Matt? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> came across as vulgar and squeamish. Okay. While Dagmar de Gieser was sometimes uh, portrayed as brazen and cruel. Sometimes as a teenage femme fatale. Så rättegången blev mot hela huset lite alla inblandade. Yeah, all uh, of the, the uh, Rysligan. Just, just det. Hela Rysligan var där. Hmm. A lot of effort was put into the court to find out if Hajit Lache was who he pretended to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, his slightly fantastic description of life really correspond, rarely, uh, or oh, if his life, uh, his description really corresponded to the reality. Mm-hmm. According to his own information, he was born in 1868 in Constantinople, but descended from a Caucasian landowner family. If you see him, like I said, he was like, uh, he didn't look, I don't know. He looked like he was mixed up with some, maybe some Middle Eastern and white. And stuff. Han, han ser inte ut att talat sanning. <laughs> he looks like a liar. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was a, a colonel in two different regiments. Oh, they have to draw. Participated in a Russian expeditionary force. Uh, he pr- participated in the balloon uh, expedition. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh, he said he was connected in the Boxer Rebellion, not the dog, in okay. 1900, and on Russian behalf to have carried out propaganda among Muslims in India and the Far East. However, nothing could be proven. No. Stuff that he said. Very much he did. But then he said, no, Sverige. And he was telling the people in his crew that his money that he was getting from them was getting sent back to Russia. But it turns out it was going to his wife in Paris. <gasps> a French wife, indeed, of course. Sacre I'm, I'm sending it to the, you know, mur- to the uh, the fighting white units in Russia. Is yeah. what he was telling them. Oh um, my God! But yeah, they have five children and and his wife, and he was just. 
Can you write another check to uh, Priscilla? <laughs> Hur har han tid med fem? Nej, gjorde han yeah. en barn? Uh, who knows? And they didn't even live in Sweden. Yeah. But they probably have refugee status in France, I'm guessing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the total value um, of the... That he had was 75,000 crowns that he got from these uh, these crimes. Mm-hmm. Corresponding to roughly 1.3 million today. Wow. When his accomplices, who had seen their participation in crimes as a patriotic act, mm. were forced to realize their leader had deceived them, most of them turned on him. Of oh, course. Clot. And they considered uh, that they were, they were led behind the light and they testified that the leader had an almost hypnotic influence over mm. them. Sect leader. Sect, yeah, I was going to yeah, say cult yeah. leader style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said that uh, they thought the killings were acts of war and they were doing what's right for Mother Russia. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was clear to them now that he was doing it on his own. And he was like, no, no, no. <laughs> These were acts of war. Mm. Uh, and he said that, uh, yeah, he said that he was really doing this for the right reasons, even though you still weren't sending the money to... Shit. Han gillade bara att skada människor. Han ville bara... Uh, Jesus. Much of his defense consisted of detailing the communist terror in Russia. Mm. Kind of smart. Mm, precis. Så därför här i Sverige. Yeah. <laughs> Så måste jag göra så här. Yeah, as if the uh, atrocities of the Bolsheviks were an extenuating circumstance and that in order to match their deviance i had to do that here mm-hmm. in sweden so klart um <laughs> among the swedish bourgeoisie where many have regarded him as a man of high ideals the revelation of the brutal murders came as a shock like nej han som var så trevlig Uh, rumors abound that it was in fact communists who staged the crimes to discredit the whites mm-hmm. you know uh, of course that wasn't true and that reasoning failed and then they uh, started blaming the barbaric act on the fact that they're not Swedish oh <laughs> uh, many of the writers saw the murders as a pretext for closing the borders wow To Russian refugees and preferably deporting the Russians that are already here. Ah. It's like SD got a, a head start. Vad smidigt. Shit. It's like, all right, oh, let's just flip this. Oh, shit. There's a magazine called Hörfarts Tidning. Gothenburg's Handels och Hörfarts Tidning. And they wrote, Oriental fashions do not fit in with our Western values. Wow. Just had to draw all over and come there. Yeah. Oh, let's get rid of all the Russians. Some of them, three of them. <laughs> and then Vesjota Bladet feared that Sweden's prisons would be overcrowded with Russian criminals if they came in. Yeah. Because they're all good. Wow, vilket fantastiskt tillfälle till akt och. Yeah. Oh, herregud. And they said out as soon as possible with the, with uh, with them either they are Bolsheviks or reactionaries. They bang just as loud to us. They are raw barbarians. Wow. The uh, the trial ended in May 1920. Hajetlache was sentenced to death by guillotine. That's a good punishment. Uh, and then 
1921, the death penalty was abolished. <laughs> oh. So they converted his sentence to a life in prison. Okay. Sentence. The other uh, wow. league members were sentenced to varying terms from six months up to eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sentence was passed. And Hajetlache was, at the time, he was at um, Longholman. And he was in the in the portion of the prison for the mentally ill. Okay, uh, makes, of course, makes sense. And um, he he never he didn't speak to his fellow prisoners. He devoted himself mostly to writing what the prison guards called confused religious investigations. Yep, <laughs> as well as reading books in Russian and Persian that were ordered for him from the Uppsala University Library. Wow. He tried to get a pardon in 1929. Smart Hey, man. Remember the three people I murdered? Mm. Come on. It was like eight, nine years ago. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and he was denied a pardon application. And then, uh, and that was in 1929. And on November 4th, 1929, he died of a stroke. Wow. Uh-huh. The rejection. <laughs> uh, Couldn't take the- it. And then Nia Dogli uh, Alejandra wrote, uh, that was the paper at the time, that said that um, who he was, no one knows to this day. Not even his accomplices know anything about his past. Wow. So it was a mystery. And that's the story of Rysligan and uh, Hajetlachi. Crazy, man. That's uh. a crazy story. <laughs> Jag älskar dina stories. Jag vet aldrig vart de ska ta vägen. De är så... And we got a... This was given to us by a listener, and I felt bad that, I mean, he wrote me, he gave me, oh, Christopher, again. Oh, yeah? Christopher. Uh-huh. He was like, I know I've sent you something before, but you got to do this. Okay. I'm a little trött on my shout-outs, but shout-outs to Christopher. Yeah, man. It's cool. It's jättetrevligt. Yeah, so uh, appreciate that. And if you have any stories you want to send to us, it's teachmesweden at gmail.com. Send it in English like Christopher did, and that's how I know it's for me. Or send it in Swedish, and then uh, Erica do it. I'll do it. Nu när jag klarar med alla kungar. Eller alla vasakungar i alla fall. Kan jag börja hugga in i de där godbitarna? Yeah, man. But you can also be a Patreon subscriber. Just det. Ge lite pengar. Vi blir glada. Du blir lite fattigare. It's patreon.com slash teachmesweden. You get extra stuff like ad-free episodes. Who wants ads? Ingen vill ha det. Ad-free episodes. You get to show us that you care about us and reward us for the work that we put into this. And you uh, can also get video episodes when we when we have the capability. We don't for this one, but normally we do. Men oftast. Yeah. Uh, just nu har vi inte det, för vi har inte råd, för vi har för få Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for checking this episode out. It's been Jonathan Rollins. Erik Broström. Teaching you Sweden. Friends. Acast anbefaler.
Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker.